we've got bruised knuckles, sore muscles, and in the midst of that, uh, prepared a message for this morning. And, um, oh shoot. Um, give me one second, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. All right. There we go. Now I'm ready. Here we go. You didn't think I'd really be unprepared, did you? Come on, come on. Oh, man. Well, today, today is my final message here at the church uh, as a pastor, or at least in that role here. And I wanted to tell you guys just a little bit about my journey and my family's journey as we've got to this point. And so really, my pastoral ministry, I guess you could say, begins a long time ago in a land far, far away in Anaheim. (laughs) Uh, I grew up at Anaheim Vineyard. We started going when I was about uh, three years old, somewhere in that ballpark, and just absolutely loved it. It was when it was right over by Disneyland. And a couple years later, I was probably eight or nine years old, um, a lady came and told my mom about a dream that she had about me. And I didn't know who this lady was, but the dream involved me in a role very similar to this, right? Like standing in front of people, proclaiming the word of God, and people coming to Jesus. And the reason my mom wanted me to hear that is because my grandmother, who moved to Bakersfield, who didn't really like my mom, uh, my mom and dad had divorced, and that was my dad's mom, and yeah, there was family stuff. She called my mom to tell her that she had the exact same dream. So then when this lady at Anaheim told my mom, my mom was just obviously like freaking out, like, oh my gosh, my kid's going to be anointed and all that stuff. <laughs> and she wanted to, me to hear that. And ever since I heard that dream, I've believed it. And that's been the direction for my life. Now, I guarantee you my junior high leaders and my high school pastors will tell you a different narrative. <laughs> But it absolutely has been the case. Um, Everything from going to college as a music major to do teaching while I do church work and then going to seminary, it's all been part of this plan that I believe that God has called me to. And that was also super confirmed when Aurora and I started meeting, uh, or I'm sorry, not meeting, but getting to know each other and uh, going to Bible studies. And she knew that I wanted to be a pastor. And that wasn't a deterrent. She thought that was cool. So I knew I had to marry her quickly because that doesn't come around all that often. I'm like, great, a co-laborer. And as you guys know, just being with Aurora um, over these last eight years, she truly is an absolute value and asset uh, to our family. So many people on Thursday night, we had a a going away party, talked about her smile and how it fills up the room. They say she gives the best hugs. I'm like, just all kinds of things. She's absolutely valuable. And so... While I was teaching, the position for the assistant pastor opened up here at Foothill Vineyard. And I had known some of the people here at Foothill for a while. Um, I preached at a men's retreat with the different churches in the area that had got together. Uh, we were able, I was able to guest speak here at Foothill uh, prior to coming on staff. And we just loved the people here. We loved the church. We loved the environment. We could tell that this is a really cool place and this is somewhere we would want to be. And when the assistant pastor position opened up here, my pastor at the time said, you need to apply for that and you need to go. And we did. We came. 
And back then, it was a simpler time. Let's show the picture. This, <laughs> this was October 2011. That costume is what we call lazy. Those were pajamas. And then we threw on a hat and called it a costume. Um, Aurora and I had literally just uh, got to the church about seven days prior to this harvest festival. Um, in fact, when I was there, people didn't know that I was actually the pastor yet. And I was told to get in the back of the line when I got presumptuous and walked to the front. It was a simpler time. But over the years, we stayed, we served, we made relationships. And now, show the next picture. This is how we leave. The big guy on the left, that was the eight-month-old that you saw in the picture. He's now eight years old. And then, of course, we had Caleb. Many of you know you were there. You were praying for us while we were going through um, all of the ordeals with his eyes and worried about him going blind. And then, of course, we had don't let her not smile fool you. (laughs) This amazing, I don't even know what to say about her. She is the one that has, she's volatile. That is the word to describe Abigail. She is volatile and she's full of energy. And so we came with just three and now we're leaving with five. And Foothill Vineyard, you have been an important part of our family. In a lot of ways, we became a family here. Personally, right? Just the five of us. And everybody that's poured into my kids, to me, and my wife, we love you. But our time here has come to an end. Parting is such sweet sorrow, especially when it's on a good note. There's that sweetness that's there, but then there's that sorrow of saying goodbye. But all things, they do come to an end. And at some point, we all have to say goodbye. This is a thing that people have dealt with for thousands and thousands of years. In fact, the Bible is filled with stories of people saying goodbye. We can go back to the beginning to look at Abraham saying goodbye to his family as he obeyed uh, God's call on his life. We can fast forward to the New Testament where Jesus, the Son of God, obeyed the will of the Father, and left his realm of glory to come here and be with us. This is something that nobody is a stranger to. And one person who knows goodbyes in the the Bible probably better than anybody is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is no stranger to goodbyes. Why? Because he was a powerhouse church planter in the early church. He went on three different missionaries, and on those three different missionaries, he planted 14 different churches. 14 different churches. Some were fabulous, some had love and community, and others were just an absolute train wreck like the Corinthians. But because he planted 14 churches, he knew what it was like to say goodbye to family. He knew what it was like to say goodbye to people that he had grown with, to people that he had invested with, to people that became his own family. This is evident when you look at Romans 16. At the end of Romans, uh, he gives a list of all the people that he was thankful for. And pretty much the entire chapter is just a list of names of how many people that um, impacted his life and that he was thankful for. 
And as we have said, Paul is no stranger to saying goodbyes. But one of Paul's best goodbyes that he's ever written was 2 Timothy. Now, 2 Timothy is different. The reason 2 Timothy is different is because Paul, in this goodbye, is headed towards execution. He's been imprisoned. He's been under house arrest. And now at the very end of his life, he decides to write a letter to somebody that he loves absolutely dearly. And this is Timothy. Timothy is not just a co-laborer for the kingdom with Paul. Timothy is Paul's adopted son. You can get a a hint of that in 2 Timothy chapter 1 when Paul talks to him about um, his uh, mother Lois and his grandmother Eunice and there is the absence of a father. There is no father mentioned there. And of course we know Paul, he tells us that uh, he's a man who was never married, that he had the gift of celibacy and he never had a biological son either. But Timothy filled that role for Paul. So as Paul is at the end of his life, as he's headed towards execution, he writes this beautiful letter, and it's more like his final farewell, his last will and testament to his adopted son, Timothy. Second Timothy is ripe with emotion and packed with wisdom from a guy that has lived a life of sorrow while persecuting the church, but of great joy while expanding the kingdom of God. You can see those things where Paul tells Timothy, I remember when I left you and I remember your tears. And I can't wait to have you back here with me while I'm at the end. Later on in the epistle, Paul starts talking about friends that have left him and abandoned them. And then he says, Timothy, hey, when you come to visit, can you do me a favor? Can you bring me my coat? Such a simple request from a guy that's at the end. But because this is Paul's last will and testament, he's contemplating the things that are the utmost important to encourage Timothy with as Paul is headed towards his farewell. Paul reminds Timothy to pursue the things that are uh, the utmost important to him, mainly his call, the proclamation of the gospel, and the commitment to sound doctrine. Let me say that again. Paul uh, commissions Timothy to stay committed to his call, the proclamation of the gospel, and a sound doctrine. And as I was reading this epistle, I was absolutely convinced, oh, this is perfect. This is the great thing to encourage Foothill Vineyard with as we leave. Now, to be sure, I do not believe that Charlotte is um, my execution. (laughs) At all. Although, now I have to worry about things like water moccasins and copperheads and what the heck is that? I don't even know what nature is. (laughs) I live in SoCal. So we're going to look at Paul, uh, Timothy's call, his pursuit of the gospel, and also his commitment to sound doctrine. So let's start with his call. Timothy was a unique person that had a unique call that was affirmed by Paul. In verse one, uh, chapter 1, verse 6, Paul tells Timothy, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, the apostle Paul, this guy who's planted 14 churches, has worked with hundreds if not thousands of believers throughout the Mediterranean world, saw something special in Timothy, and Timothy is the only person that gets this designation as somebody that was gifted because of having Paul's hands laid on him with prayer. Paul noticed something in Timothy, a special thing that he wanted to call him towards. 
Paul reaffirms this also when he says, from infancy, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. From infancy. So even as a kid, Timothy exhibited this unique call that the Holy Spirit had on his life. And Paul identifies this call as pastoring, teaching, and evangelism. Because this is a unique call from God, a unique call from God, Paul, in his final farewell, believes it to be absolutely important to remind him, stay committed to that call and do not waver in the face of difficulty. I am convinced that God has a unique call for Foothill Vineyard Church. Absolutely convinced. I've seen too many things over these last eight years to prove uh, otherwise. Those of you who were here about five or six years ago, you remember how we got to a place where we truly and actually contemplated to close the doors. The church had declined and it got to a place and in meetings it was chaotic and it was crazy and it almost seemed as if there was no hope. And now look at us. God came in and he had his hand on this church. He saved us from going away and he brought us back to a healthy, thriving, vibrant place. Those of you who had know, have the privilege of working with Tom behind the scenes know that that in and of itself is a test of faith. I'm sorry, that was supposed to be a joke. <laughs> if that did not come off as a joke, my apologies in advance. <laughs> no, that was a joke. Uh, the reason is, is because Tom had this unique ability to come up with ideas instantly and say, we need to do that instantly. Josh, go make this happen. Okay, Tom, you got it. I'm going to make it happen. Oh, Josh, never mind. Sorry, we're not going to do that. Instead, we're going to do this. Okay, Tom, we're going to go. Wait, what? And he would constantly come up with new and creative ideas. And that created an exciting environment. But sometimes I would scratch my head and go, Tom, this is not going to work. This is insane. And inevitably, it would work. Why? Not because Tom is like Superman or anything like that, but because Tom trusted in Jesus and was pursuing him faithfully. And as I watched this happen in our church, I watched it grow. I am convinced that Foothill Vineyard's call is to be a reconciling community, bringing people to Jesus and to bring people together by healing relationships. I've seen it happen over and over again at our church. Somebody told me that a while back when they started coming, they were a miserable alcoholic. That they actually came to church drunk and didn't want to be here and um, if I remember correctly, they even passed out in the cry room. But we didn't kick them out. We didn't say, you don't belong here. We didn't say, your addiction is too much for us to handle. Instead, the church embraced them, and now they are clean and sober. They've led ministries. They've done great things for the kingdom because of our commitment to reconciling people. We've seen people overcome addictions, but we've also seen people overcome deep hurt from past churches. I just want you to know that as I tell this story, some of you are going to know the person I speak of. And I also want you to know that I asked them for permission. (laughs) You don't just air out people's dirty laundry from the pulpit. There was a person that came to our church that was clearly burned by past churches. And I mean, to some degree, we've all been there at some point, right? where we've been hurt by people in the church. And I remember at a small group, we were there, and I could tell this person was rough around the edges. They liked to push my buttons to see 
what theological debate they could goad me into, and that was really easy to do. (laughs) And they started to go at it with somebody else in the group. And as they went at it with somebody else in the group, this person looked at them and with all sincerity said, I don't give up what you feel. I censored that for the message. That was in its full glory for everybody to hear. And I was absolutely mortified. How do you recover from that as a small group leader? There's nothing to do. There's <laughs> nothing to do. You just roll with it. And so, but this person and I became friends, absolutely. And I've watched as relationships started to develop in their lives. And um, this was one of the highlights of my moments uh, for this particular person. They don't know that I was going to say this, but it was during our Thanksgiving potluck uh, last November when they were serving food and the smile and the joy was so evident in their face. That's our church. Reconciling people, healing relationships, reaching to the broken, those that have been burned by the church, those that are struggling with addictions, to bring them to Jesus and to bring healing to their lives. That's the kingdom of God. And that is Foothill Vineyard's unique call yeah, in our community. Now, you cannot be a reconciling community without having a commitment to the gospel. And Paul, in his letter, goes on to tell Timothy that you have to stay committed to this gospel. He says in verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 10, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. In other words, Paul is suffering. He says being chained like a criminal and heading towards his execution. Why? For the sake of the gospel. The saving gospel of Jesus Christ. In Paul's mind, there is nothing more precious than the saving gospel of Christ, and that is worth suffering for. I've said it from the pulpit before, if we are not bringing people to Jesus, then what the hell are we doing? Isn't that the point of the church? And it's what we do here at Foothill Vineyard Church. Just like Timothy, I believe that Foothill Vineyard has a call to proclaim the gospel to the local community and beyond. Did you know that last year we saw over 50 people baptized here at our church? to make new commitments to Jesus. Yeah, and that's not including the people that you as individuals have led to Jesus in your daily lives, whether at work, whether at home, whether family or friends. Those are just what we have recorded. There have been more than that. Last year, we went for the first time on our mission trip to Mexico, where youth and adults could go. And let me tell you, it was awesome. Taking the gospel beyond our walls and internationally. And by the way, I want to say one other thing too. For those that weren't able to go, for those that weren't able to do those things, look, VBS, by the way, kids make commitments to Jesus every year at VBS. And what I love about our church is those of you that are not able to physically serve at those events, you generously pour out financially to support those ministries. Like DeBron said for VBS, nobody here has had to pay to send their kids to VBS because of the generosity of people in our church. Because at Foothill Vineyard, we have a commitment to the gospel. And so I encourage you to never lose that commitment to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. But you cannot spread the true gospel without a commitment 
to good doctrine. It sounds like something funny. On Thursday night when we had our goodbye party, people accused me (laughs) of lots of slanderous, semi-true things. One of them was uh, loving to have theological debates, we'll call them discussions, uh, and those kinds of things. And somebody said that I was leading a group, and that at this group, I got so hung up because the author used the word the, in, yes, the, like T-H-E, in the text. And they had no idea why I was so excited about that. And to tell you the truth, I have no idea either. I think that was slanderous. But you guys know how much I love the word. You know my commitment to scripture, to its truth, to digging out what's inside there and proclaiming it for everyone to hear. And that's Paul's passion too. And so while he was essentially on his deathbed, headed towards his execution, he tells Timothy, commit yourself to the scriptures. And he writes this. He says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now listen to this. This is such a cool part of the verse. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In other words, the way you and I thrive in the kingdom of God is by the scriptures. By good doctrine. Doctrine sounds so stodgy, right? It sounds so classroomy and all that. But it isn't. It's just being committed to the truth of the scriptures. And just like us, Timothy and Paul had a surrounding culture that did not want to hear the truth, and that culture was penetrating their church. And Paul warns Timothy to watch out for these people that are coming in and distorting the true gospel, that are distorting the true doctrine. Stay committed to the scriptures and to its truth. And Foothill Vineyard, I'm going to suggest the same thing for us that we have a call to teach, to preach, and to learn from the scriptures. Think about it. If we're to be a reconciling community, we cannot be a reconciling community without the gospel of Jesus Christ. But if we're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to be absolutely secure in the doctrine and truth of scripture. We currently live in a similar culture to Paul and Timothy. Religious pluralism and mass media have created a doctrinal smorgasbord of false teachings and heresies. It's all on YouTube. It's only a click away. Of all the blogs and podcasts that are out there, all kinds of crazy ideas are seeping into the church. In fact, in 2 Timothy 3, Paul um, encourages Timothy to watch out for these. Listen to what Paul says. He says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. We see this all the time in our culture, don't we? People confuse New Age philosophy with authentic Christianity. People turn to look at prosperity guys to soothe their own um, um, inadequacy and poverty and then just chuck money at these guys to help them buy jets and and all that, that stuff. I don't want to talk trash on people. But we do... But we do, in fact, have a culture that's looking for those and sometimes those weird things can come into the church. 
I'll tell you guys another story. We actually had to do that several months ago. We had somebody that was coming in and they would speak out and say, honestly, some kind of weird things. And uh, just before John came to our church, um, Tom and I had to go address this guy. And I went with Tom and Tom was completely on point, completely. And it seemed like everything was fine. But then later on, he deliberately disobeyed Tom. He spoke out some weird things again, and he had to be rebuked again because he was bringing things into our church that were not in line with Scripture and that were not in line with Vineyard values. And it even got to a point by the time John was here, the three of us, right? Tom, John, and I were in there defending the integrity of the Scriptures. Why? Because we have to have a commitment to sound doctrine. And that's a charge to all of us, by the way. I just keep hearing the song, My Way. And now the end is near. That's all the singing you get from me. Foothill Vineyard, I believe that you have a unique call to reconcile people to Jesus and to each other. I believe you have a unique call call and commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ and that you have a call and commission from God to stay committed to sound doctrine. I do have some final encouragements. While preparing this, I was trying to think to myself, what are some things that I could say to the church here to encourage them to continue to spur on and to pursue these noble and worthy calls? And one of those things that I would love to just encourage you to do is rally behind your pastor 110%. Okay? Yeah. Support John. One of the things about ministry that's odd, you wouldn't think it, but sometimes it can feel like a lonely road. Even though you're always around people, even though you always have relationships, sometimes it can feel that way. Encourage him. Just a handwritten note. Something beyond Sunday morning saying, hey, John, good message. Because truthfully, nobody comes up on Sunday to tell you your message stinks. So it's kind of expected, right, that you would get those compliments. Rally behind him. When there are changes that are coming, support him 110%. Right? Not because John is so great. Again, not an insult. Not because John is so great, but because John trusts in Jesus and because John is following Jesus. So you then follow John and back him 110%. Pray for him. Pray for his family. Surround them with love just as you guys have surrounded my family with love. Next, I would say, enfold the children and the youth into the main life of the church. Mentor them, shepherd them, and though so much important with kids, be patient with them. Over the years, I've heard different things said about the children's ministry building being the other building, and we have come such a long way from then, to be sure. But even now, I've had a couple of youths tell me over these last couple weeks that have said, hey, how come the youth aren't involved? How can we get them more involved? I feel like they're not connected to the body. And then I asked both of these people this question, do you sit with them during lunch? And they looked at me and they said, no. And I went, well, go sit with them. 
Go sit with them. If you watch today at lunch, you might just see this. Now the high schoolers are hearing this and the adults are all hearing this. So I'm expecting some practical application at lunch. (laughs) Too often the youth, the junior high and the high school and sometimes the college, uh, when they come around, uh, are sitting by themselves. Go sit with them. Now to the adults in the room, yes, you will have to be patient and you will have to shepherd them because they will be on their phones. Now, I know that can thoroughly irritate you, but it's okay. Just be present. Just love them. Just as you support John, support DeBron in her new role as family pastor to bridge those gaps and to make them part of the life of the church. This chart that's been up here for a while, I want to uh, highlight this really quickly. This is called the 4 to 14 window. And I don't know if you can see the numbers, but what this is is the percentage of people that make commitments to Jesus and then the ages in which they make those commitments to Jesus. And you'll see 63% of people make their commitment to Jesus between the ages of 4 and 14. And then 34 between the age of 15 and 29. In other words, 97% of people that make a commitment to Jesus do it between the ages of 4 to 29. That's children, that's youth, that's college. If we're going to make Uh, advancements for the kingdom and commit to the gospel and reconciliation, this looks like the age bracket to do it. And even though I'm now 37, only 2%, 3% of people make a commitment to Jesus after 30. Doesn't mean we neglect adults. The kingdom's for everybody, all ages, all races, all genders. But obviously, you know, the students are near and dear to my heart. And that's going to be hard. Woo! I made it. Woo. I, <laughs> I didn't actually cry. <laughs> I got misty. It's, it's different. Okay. Before we go, I want to make a couple of acknowledgments. First and foremost, uh, he's not here today, but I have to thank Mike Barnett. Now, Mike Barnett was the senior pastor before Tom came on. And I would not be here if Mike had not hired me. I came here at 29. I am now 37. And believe it or not, I have a couple of gray hairs. They're there. But my journey at Foothill Vineyard began because Mike Barnett decided to take a risk on a 29-year-old kid (laughs) that had no experience in pastoral ministry. So Mike, thank you. I also want to thank Tom Dunn. I learned so much from Tom in these last two years. And I think one of the things that I will always remember about Tom, well, there's two, okay, there's so many, but let me just focus on two. Tom has a unique capacity to shepherd and care for people. And that is admirable. The other thing is Tom brings such a levity and goofiness to ministry. He doesn't take himself so seriously. He'll do props and skits and he just, he has fun in the kingdom of God. And Tom, I want to thank you, I hope you're able to listen to this, for the time that we got to spend together. I also want to thank the board. I want to thank the board for, these, geez, just being there through all these crazy times um, and through the growth of the church and being there and um, leading the church. And then I also have to thank John and Kate. John, thanks for not firing me. 
Totally appreciate that. <laughs> but I thank you for your patience. For your patience to let me navigate the weird transition uh, for me personally. For um, allowing me to vent directly to you. For being a pastor to me. And now, we're co-pastors. <laughs> so thank you, John and Kate, for that. I'm going to invite my family up. I'm almost there. Here we go. This is them. These are the people from the picture. And so we say farewell. At Foothill Vineyard, it has been an honor to serve with you, to call you our friends, and our family. May God richly bless all of you as you stay committed to your call. We love you all, and we will miss you all greatly. God bless you, and thank you. Josh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for inviting us into your story and sharing with us. Why don't we have our governing board and our staff join us as we pray a prayer blessing over the Smith family? Let's get up here. Yeah, there we go. Come here. I just feel like I felt I we just heard a discourse from the Apostle Paul himself, or like, you know, like we were there, we heard it like live. Thank you, Josh. And so um, I'm going to open in prayer, and we're going to just pass around the mic, whoever wants to pray, and just bless them. That would be great. So Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we thank you for Josh and Aurora and their family. And Lord, we do send them with your, your blessing and your, your goodness. And Lord, um, every good thing that they've learned, I pray that they would jump into this new ministry and be able to just pour forth your life and health and your goodness into this new community in Charlotte. So, Lord, we send them with your blessing and our blessings. We love you, Jesus, and we pray your goodness would shine down on them um, every single day. Lord, we just pray traveling mercies for them, that they would have a fun adventure across the country <laughs> and Lord we pray that on the other end they would just feel so loved and welcomed that, and overwhelmed with just your provision and friendships for all ages and um, just something fresh and beautiful
So, Lord, we uh, we send them forth with love and, and um, our commitment to praying for them and, and walking by their side and um, even having those conversations like, what do we do next? And so, Lord, we just we just send them forth with 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 that love and your grace and your goodness. And, and now, Lord, we just pray that, that you would uh, seal on this earth what you've already done with this family. So, yeah, Lord, we just pray just your goodness would shine out on them. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, and we have a little, this little token of our love and appreciation. Thank you guys for giving. Some of you forgot. Josh has his pocket right here. You just shove couple hundred dollar bills right in there. Yeah, you, there you go. Uh, but this is a little token of our love and appreciation for you and your family. Why don't we have our ministry team come on up? And before we go today, um, some of you are here and you're saying, you know what, I, I, need, I need God to do something. I need the Holy Spirit to break into my life. Um, in our pre-service prayer, here's a couple of things that came up. Um, we, we sense that there's somebody here with just, and this is a new wound, like a bro you have a broken heart, and and you're trying to figure out, like, you're here today, and you're trying to figure out what does that look like, what does that mean, and um, if that's you, get some prayer, because the Holy Spirit wants to bring you a deep level of comfort this morning. Also, if you're here and you're facing great anxiety, maybe it's over a job situation, anxiety over family situations, uh, come get some prayer for that. If you're here and you need joy, you just need joy. Like you sense this like lack of joy. We'd love to pray for that this morning. Um, and there's somebody here too, or maybe a couple people, that you're in the middle of a battle. And that battle is just, it feels like it's just taking you down. And um, you're in the middle of trouble and the battle is right, you're, you're at the front lines, you feel. And um, we would love to pray for you. We believe that God will break through in that front line situation. Also, if you're here and you have a stiff neck, um, we'd love to pray for you. So Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we welcome your presence. And Lord, as we sing this last song to you, Lord, we pray that you would smile down upon us. We love you, Jesus. Let's sing this last song together, and uh, we'll do our closing prayer. But if you need prayer, prayer partners up front. Let's sing.
I'm going to close in a word of prayer. If you need some ministry, um, yeah, just come, just come get, have somebody pray for you, right? Just give God a little bit of space to break in to that situation. Um, and then also, you know, we have baked chicken, we don't have baked chicken, we have fried chicken and potato salad. It's comfort food on this cold day, so stick around and uh, eat some lunch. And if you're a guest, that's, it's on us, so... So, Holy Spirit, come. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, thanks for the Smiths. And again, we pray blessing over their family. And Lord, thanks for this church. And Lord, we pray that we'd see the nearness of your kingdom, that we'd see your kingdom break through, that heaven would invade earth. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Go be the hands and feet, the very salt and light of this world. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Thanks.